Let's turn our Bibles, Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're still doing and continuing through the Gospel of Mark, and it's been really an exciting journey for me. Um, I often rush through the Bible, I don't know if you do it, but then, and especially the Gospels, because it seems like you've, when I read the Gospels, oh, I've, I've, I've read this before, so then you go almost too fast through it. But it's so good now just to study almost verse for verse and see what God um, is saying through the Gospel of Mark. So you can turn to the Gospel of Mark, the shortest Gospel in the Bible. And so that's why it's a favorite for all the lazy people. Um, so Mark 10, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, 10.32 to 10.52. And I'm just going to read the intro of this specific passage. So now we, we're getting to an end of a section where Jesus is teaching. Three times in this section, he is telling them about his death that is coming. So now it's the last time, and uh, we're going to read just from, from our Bibles at verse, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. So now Jerusalem here is not a pilgrimage towards a festival. Jerusalem here for Jesus is a pilgrimage towards his death, to his sacrifice. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, like Jesus is always doing. We can never go too fast for Jesus. And they were amazed, and those who were followed were afraid. So they were amazed, and they were afraid. There was amazement while we walking with Jesus, but also they were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. So we, we know what that means, but imagine now you are following Jesus Somehow you figured out that Jesus the Messiah, he is the one that have been prophesied through all of the Bible, through all of your culture is pointing towards this Jesus. And now this man that you're following say, hey, I'm going to be killed. You'll also be afraid. We, we get afraid just to think of, hey, maybe there will be a lockdown, a harder lockdown. What's going to happen to our business? What's going to happen to our schools? Are we going to cope with homeschooling again if, you, if, you're, like, if you're like me? But now Jesus is saying, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be killed. I have to suffer. I am the king, but I have to suffer. And that, that leads us into the question specifically pertaining to this section. And the question is, is Jesus to be served or is he a servant? How is he, how is he modeling Christianity to us. We know that Jesus needs to be served. What is, he, what is he doing? How is he modeling what God wants for us in, in pertaining to our life? So he says he's going to be killed. And then we read on John and James comes to him again in the previous section. They also, there was, there was an argument about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus took a little child and said, hey, you need to serve the little child. These people that's not actually having any significance in our culture, you need to serve them. So Jesus pointing them towards service. And now very specifically, very clearly, he's going to tell them, this is what you need to do if you want to be like me, if you want to make me 
available, accessible to the world out there. This is what you need to do. And um, we're going to pick up just from verse 42. So Jesus explains to them, hey, listen here. No, I can't tell you who's going to sit next to, to uh, me at, in heaven one day. This is only God the Father. They will determine that. But this is what you need to do. If you want to be great, if you want to have significance within my world, this is what you need to do. So the question he's going to ask them is, are you called to serve or to be served? So this is what the question was that is implied and actually implied through all of Jesus' life. You, you want to be great. You want to be, have significance. You want to have meaning in life. This is how you do it. Do you do it through getting people to serve you or are you doing it actually by serving people? So verse 42, and it's up on the overhead so you can read there. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you, ne- you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. So he's now giving them a lecture on culture. He says, this is how it works in their culture. That's where we find ourselves. And the great ones exercise authority over them. But my dad used to say, you can say, ya papa is yammer maar. If you say mar, then it means you've erased everything you previously said. Hey, Dad, I love you, mar. Hey, Dad, I love you, but I'm, I'm not willing to pay, make the sacrifice of going to bed early or, or whatever. So he's saying but. In other words, he's going to make a contradictory statement to how they should live. But whoever would be great... Sorry, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave. So slave. So slave in our context maybe carries some weight, but in their context, they knew a slave. You had a slave. So you had somebody who doesn't get paid that would work for you for all their lives. For all their life. So this is, this is what God is saying. You, you will be a slave. And then verse 45, for even, sorry, and whoever be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in a way, God is saying, Jesus is saying, okay, so this is the bottom line of my upside down kingdom. Because if I'm the king, then I'm modeling what my subjects should do. This is the bottom line. If you want to be great, you must become a slave. If you want to be great, if you want to be first, you must be a servant of all. This is the bottom line of his kingdom. So let's read it in a different translation, the Passion Translation. Verse 42, Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects. But this is not the example you are to follow. You are to live by a different model. If you want to be the greatest, then live as one called to serve others. The path to promotion, we understand that word, whoever you want to say promotion. <laughs> All of us want a promotion. If you want to be the greatest, then live as one who called to serve. The path to promotion comes by having the heart of a bond slave, that word again, who serves everyone. 
For even the Son of Man, speaking about himself, did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price for the salvation of many. So a lot of us have a problem with service. You know why? Why, why we have a problem with service? Because we somehow think that our value is determined by what we do. And that's why even if you, if, you, if you talk to parents and you ask the parents, hey, what are your dreams for your kids? Can hear what are, the, what are the occupations that they're dreaming up for their kids? A doctor, a successful businessman, a lawyer, somebody with status. Why? Because somehow in culture we've fallen for this trap, and it's a trap of the devil, it's a trap of... of what we believe to be significance, we have fallen for this trap that somehow what we do, that is who we are. But that's not true. Even if in the way that we communicate or we meet people, hey, so, hey, who, who are you? My name is Amal. What, what do you do? So in pastor circles would be, hey, it's Amal. Hey, your pastor. Hey, how big is your church? <laughs> and then usually it's, it's my wife, and they, wow, yes, I almost obviously have personalities. His wife is amazing. His wife is beautiful. And look at his kids, also beautiful. Okay, almost not a bad guy. Bad guy. So, and we, we long for that position, position to be esteemed in the world. But God says, no, that's not how I operate. Because your value is not determined by what you do. Your value is determined for who you are doing this talk. You know, this task. So your identity is not determined by what you do, rather for who you do it. So often we would, you would ask, and this is the most unnatural thing. So service, just so you know, it is the most unnatural thing for everybody. You even, so service from a biblical point of view. Some people would serve, but the reason why they, why they serve because they want something from it. But service from a biblical point of view is just to serve, to expect nothing. To expect nothing. Not even a thank you. Mandisa and them at Work for a Living, they send out their students because now they're getting ready for employment. They're getting ready to, to make money. And they know with, with money obviously comes power, but then also comes corruption. The devil wants to steal your heart through money. That's true. Money is not evil, we can do a lot of things in money, we need more money in the kingdom, but it can steal your heart, because you think you, with money comes power, and, you, and obviously the ability to buy stuff, so Medisa and them, they teach their, their students, okay, now you need to go out, before you get money, before you can get and actually qualify to earn an income, you need to go into your community, and you need to serve people without expecting anything in return. Not even a thank you. So we had one of their students stayed with us for a while, and then she cleaned a whole kitchen. And then Cornell came in the afternoon, and she said, Hey, Chantal, thank you for cleaning the kitchen. And she went, ah, oh, shucks. And we're like, why? She said, no, I got a thank you. I need to go and find something else. <laughs> Couldn't one of the or the 
the leader and founder of Ethnos Ministry, amazing ministry in, in town. A lot of their students are very involved in, in what we do. Um, he shared the story in church. He said they were in a, I think it could be Tanzania, Zambia, uh, mission, mission station, very rural, and there a bunch of toilets. Then four o'clock one morning, he wakes up and he hears somebody in the toilet busy. And he goes to the bathroom and there was one of his, I think it was his students or a colleague, Cleaning a girl, cleaning the men's bathroom. On her knees, cleaning it. And again, the same response. She's like, shucks, you caught me. And then she tells, it, tells him what, why she's doing it. She says, everywhere she goes, she asks God, what is the task that nobody wants to do when this is the way that I want to serve you and glorify you by doing this specific task that nobody wants to do. But Lord, I want to do it so, and nobody must give me credit because I want you to ex express your gratitude. Nobody else. So she was going cleaning toilets four o'clock in the morning because she thought nobody will be awake at that stage. Why? Because she knew this is what Jesus did when he was on earth. So the kingdom of God, the bottom line of the task that we do is the attitude of a servant. And the reason why it's so unnatural for us, because somehow we think our identity is connected to what we do. And I've even seen it with I've seen it with parents and kids wanted to do they wanted to do art at Judah. They want to go and study art. And the, and the dad's like, he actually one of, a couple of dads have spoken to me about this. No, no, he's not gonna make money. There's no what's what's art? Why? Because somehow we believe what we do, that is who we are, but it's not true. So Jesus is saying, serve, this is the task. But the only way that you're going to be able to do this on a long term and do it sustainably is if you understand that you are a son of God. That your identity can never be taken away from you. Therefore, Christians should be able to go the lowest Therefore, you can join the people picking up litter in the streets that get paid for it. You can join and you can pick up the litter. Therefore, you can join the single moms serving their children while holding a job, while doing this, while doing this. Why? Because you're a servant. That's why you can go to a bride. You can stay late so that you can clean up everything. Even if you're the guy who bride and you prayed before the, for the end, you kept the kids busy. Now you can still clean up and you can't go home and say, yeah, I'm never going to go there because I have to do everything. That is a privilege of a servant. You just became more like you were supposed to be, a son. If the king of a country says to his son, hey, we have load shedding, you need to go and... Get the candles 
and put the candles on, is he now suddenly devalued of his place of being a son? No, he's not. He's, he's not the candle lighter or the, or the servant in the house or whatever. He is still the son. If he needs to go and clean the toilets because the servant didn't show up and now his mother, the queen, wants to go and to the bathroom, to the loo, is he, is he now somehow devalued? No, he's still a son. So we get over this. And all of us expect a thank you. And it's very natural. But if we get to the supernatural place where we don't expect a thank you from people, but we understand that God is screaming from heaven, the whole world, the demons, everybody's saying, Thank you! Why would you want to thank you from a mere human being? Thank you from a mere human being is like a, thank you, thank you. Doesn't sound even cool. I'm not saying, so what I'm not saying is, if you're in leadership, I love saying thank you to people. Like this week, we had a, I had a revelation of saying thank you for people. I was so touched by the volunteer celebration we had and the people that we have in this church that are servants and serving. That is part of leadership. You have to thank your people for everything, even if they get paid. But when we follow Jesus, we are willing to do any task. Any task. Philip there at the back, he is the founder of Life Community Services. And every now and then you'd see him around 1 o'clock. You can't make appointments with him around 1 because he's driving little kids around. He's serving. When Morena does this, Philip's jump. And Philip is 40 years older than Morena. <laughs> Not that Philip is old, just because Morena is really young. <laughs> Now he's a servant. Okay, so here now we go into a next passage. And I want you to see how this connects with the next passage. So now Jesus, he's walking he's on his way to Jerusalem. And there's a blind beggar. And his name is Bartimaeus. Bar means son Timaeus, is, so he's the son of Timaeus. Timaeus comes from the word to value or to honor. If you put that into a name, it means honorable son. So can you, can you see the, the humor in what's happening here? There's Bartimaeus. He's a blind beggar. He's an outcast. The honorable son. The honorable son. The son of the honorable. He's a blind beggar. And he screams out. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. People go to him, hey, be quiet, be quiet. Be dignified. Listen, yeah, this is Jesus. We've been following him. You're not going to get his attention now. We've been following him for a very long time. Be quiet. And then Jesus hears him. And then Jesus calls him and then some of the disciples obviously get very excited. They, they could see where Jesus, they've been catching this thing. Jesus loves the blind beggars. He loves the outcasts. He's like, take heart. Jesus saw you come. And then 
And then Jesus takes him and he asks him this question. So a blind beggar, outcast, Jesus, king of the universe, comes to him and listen to what he asks. It's the heart of a servant. He says, what do you want me to do for you? You're what a modeling of servanthood. Hey, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, hey, my wife, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, mom, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, my kids, what do you want me to do for you? It's maybe a risky question to ask your kids. <laughs> Ice cream before we go to bed. Cake in the morning. And then the blind man says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Wow. So Jesus serves this blind man, this outcast, with the question, what can I do for you? Bottom line of the kingdom. Not how, how can you serve me? I'm the king. I, why are you standing? Why are you screaming so loud? You crazy. I am the king. Bow. So Jesus serves, but he also models something else. He he models that service should also include the supernatural, and that comes in a response to faith. So when we serve, we're not only expecting, hey, a task to be done. We're also expecting a supernatural thing to happen. And I've often found that people that have servant hearts, they serve, but they never go to the point where Jesus served. So you'll serve, you'll do, you do the, the floors at the back, you'll sweep, you'll be the last at every meeting so you can help out, but you never go beyond that. Because the only way that you can go beyond that is to understand who you are. You're a son of the living God and you have royalty on you. So your service should continue into the realm of supernatural. It's already supernatural that you're willing to serve because it comes very unnatural. But often if you stay there, you don't have identity of a son. You don't understand God has called you into the supernatural also. Because you feel like, I'm, I'm worthy to do this little task, but I'm not worthy to do ministry. No, it's a lie. All of you are worthy to do ministry. If you have Jesus inside of you, you have the minister of all ministers inside of you. And he wants to get out. And the reason why he wants to get out is because he wants you to serve people. And he wants to serve. So now... You, imagine you walking, because we are little Jesuses. If you call yourself a Christian, means you are little Christs. And Christ means anointed one, means the Holy Spirit has anointed you with the same power that God has anointed Jesus. So now you, you're walking, and there is an impossible situation. A blind man, an outcast, a relationship that's broken, a divorce, a, a class that I don't, don't want to listen a financial situation, then you need to go beyond and say, you know what, I'm not only here to serve and do a task, but I'm also going to take my identity as royalty with me. I'm going to take my identity as being a citizen of heaven. I'm going to call heaven into the situation. Blind man, see. 
And all of us should be able to do this. We are all called to the supernatural. Hey, demon, get delivered right now. Hey, so you, are you struggling with, with the smoking addiction? Great, let's pray about it right away. I've never done this, but hey, I serve Jesus. And only faith, it's faith that activates that. And faith is not in what you can do. Faith is in the one who is sending you to do whatever service you need to do. You're not, if you're serving and thinking you cannot do this, then you're coming from the wrong identity. You're coming from a lack identity. And probably the reason why you want to serve is because you feel like that's the only place that's worthy of me. Act as a floorlap and I'll stay there at the floor. And that is self-pity, which is actually a lack of faith, which is unbelief, which is sin. Sin is, is not what you do, but it's also how you miss the mark in your mind about yourself, about other people, and about God. Great. Amen. Okay, so you're going to turn to the person next to you. You're going to ask them, how can you serve them supernaturally? Well, Marilette comes up. Any a impossible situation. We're only going to pray for impossible situations. And then when you're out of here, you're going to look for the outcasts. You're going to find those people, the children. Nobody wants to talk to you. In our, in our neighborhood, there's a little boy. He is he's disabled. Just he's, he's very clever, but he's, the way that he socially handles himself is not very good. So he gets teased a lot. But we're telling our kids, you will play with them. <laughs> Why? Because they need to serve. And now they love him. So how can you serve your neighbor with the impossible thing? So ask them.